I don't know. Second service, you guys got some fire. First service was pretty boisterous. Noah, first service, they were bringing it, but I don't know. They were pretty loud today. That, you guys got it. You guys are ready. You guys are ready? You, you guys have enough caffeine in you. Now you're ready, right? You got your breakfast. Your belly's full. You're ready to go. I, I, my, people next to me were singing loud. It was so cool to sing. I, I, you were. I heard you singing loud today. Thank you. It blessed me. Thank you. Uh, my name's John. I happen to be one of the pastors here. It's a privilege to be up and be able to share with you this morning. Uh, Falls here. I'm so grateful fall is here. I know some of you are like, oh, no summer and sunshine. Like, no way. I need fall and I need crisp air and I need football. Like, hello. Hello, football. I know that there was some heartbreak yesterday. Like, I don't know what happened in that Bearcats game. Like, what in the, like, whoa, boy, man. But, uh, you know, OH. I mean, that, I, woo, that, that was it. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Excited for next, uh, this coming Thursday, kickoff NFL for those, for anybody who's an NFL fan. I don't know if anybody is, but I, I'm excited. It's, uh, it, it's fall is here. Uh, homecoming is here. A lot of people are going to homecoming uh, in the next couple weeks. Listen, my son, my dude, uh, Noah, he got invited to his first homecoming dance. Uh now, hold on now. <laughs> Mom and dad are in the room. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm excited, worried, concerned, happy, elated, joyful, uh, fearful. I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I, look, all of it, right? Like, like, raise your hand if you're in the room. I saw the students in here. Like, raise your hand if you're going to homecoming. Or raise your hand if you have a student who is going to homecoming. Yeah, like, ah, man. Ah. All right, so I'm not sure if homecoming is the same like now, like it was back in like the ancient days when I was going to homecoming. Uh, like my sophomore year in high school was my first uh, homecoming dance, all right? And so I was so awkward and it's, it's yeah. I wish, I, I tried to get my mom to send me some pictures, uh, but she couldn't find them. Uh, so sorry, I, I'll find them. Next time I go back home, I'll find them. Cause I mean, one, you gotta see me with hair. Amazing, like, uh, yeah, Conan O'Brien type hair. Like, yeah, it's nuts. Uh, ask your parents if you don't know who Conan O'Brien is. And then, um, uh, yeah, I, this girl, her name was Shauna Wackerly. Hi, Shauna. Hi, if you're watching. Um, so um, you can drop a comment in the chat if you want. Um, like, it, she asked me to go to the dance, and I was like, yeah, sure, okay. And she liked me, and that's cool. And so uh, I don't know if you still do this, if you go to dinner or not, but the deal was you go to dinner, then the dance, right? And so, uh, you know, my parents, I'm 15, my parents, you know, we went over and we picked her up. We did the whole picture thing, and then, like, we went to a five-star establishment for dinner, Ponderosa, and... Um, <laughs> Only the best, right? Only the best. Um, and then, uh, you know, they drove us, you know, my parents sat in like in a booth, awkwardly watching, you know, I, I don't know. And then, you know, so they drove us to the dance and then we get to the dance and, you know, as a 15 year old, I'm just like, I don't know what's going on here. You know, I, she wanted to dance and all I wanted to do was like talk about how Jordan just made a dunk from the foul line and my mind was blown, you know, and like I was still fascinated by Bo Jackson who was playing both football and baseball at the same time. And I was like, this is amazing. And like, and I wanted to talk to her about like, you know, when I grow up, like, like, I want to have hair just like Bon Jovi, like in that Wanted Dead or Alive video. You know, like, if you remember this, like, like I mean, that I had life goals, okay? 
I had life goals and I was going after something in my life, okay? Big important things. Needless to say, uh, yeah. Uh, she left me halfway through the dance. Um, there was no making out behind the bleachers that day. Um, I, uh, I still think Jordan is the goat and I did not get uh, Bon Jovi's hair. So um, I'm working some things out. Um, if you are going to homecoming, uh, or if you have a student going to homecoming in the next couple weeks, may the odds be ever in your favor. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, we're starting a new series. Uh, it's called Homecoming. Uh, it's right behind me, right? It says Homecoming. And so uh, it's a different type of homecoming that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, uh, how all of us, uh, there's an invitation for us to come home. Um, Wherever you may be in life, whatever path you may be on right now, there is an invitation to come home. All of us are on some journey, and we're all on a journey, whether you know it or not yet, to come back to the Father. And we're all truly not in oneness with the Father yet. Even if we have been following Jesus, like we're not truly like you know one with the Father. We've all got stuff to wrestle through. And so all throughout the series, we're going to give you an opportunity to come home. We all have things that we wrestle with, stuff that we deal with, stuff that weighs us down. And and so uh, I and our team is just going to say, hey, we're going to point you to scripture where Jesus just says, hey, I'm going to invite you home and give you rest. Could anybody use some rest? Any parents, any people, any singles, any people like just trying to make it through, trying to get some rest? Is it just me that feels like the weight of the world is on our shoulders? And, and if you don't make the next right decision, you're just, it's all going to crumble? Like just, just me? Yeah. And Julian, that's good. Thank you, buddy. Man, I appreciate that. You're like 15 and have the weight of the world. I hate that. Oh, so like Matthew 11, 28, Jesus says, you know, come to me, all of you who are tired and weary, and I will give you rest. Are you tired? Are you, are you worn out? Are you burnt out? Come home to the Father, and he will give you rest. Come home to the Father, and he says that he will take away the burden. He'll give you a burden that is light, that is easy to carry. He'll take the heaviness. There's a story in the Gospel of Luke. Luke, the doctor, writes and, and, and documents this life of Jesus. And in his Gospel, in chapter 15, He shares a story about this invitation to come home to the Father. Luke 15, verse 1, it says this. uh, The doctor is writing, he says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners, they often gathered around to hear Jesus teach. And when he did this, this made the Pharisees and religious leaders like lose their minds, right? And they would complain that Jesus was associating with such sinful people, right? And even eating with them. How dare he share a meal with those notorious sinners? Listen, I don't know about you, but when I stand before Jesus, I want Jesus to see me as someone who would be notorious enough to eat with notorious sinners, right? That's what I want to be known for, right? That, hey, that was a guy who actually shared a table with those people. He didn't turn his back on notorious sinners. He actually shared the gospel of grace with them. He invited them into relationship. He shared his table. That's what I want to be known for. And so in in the face of religion, in the face of religious leaders, Jesus decided to tell a story. And he said, uh, a man had two sons. And there was a younger son, and he told his father, he said, uh, he's very bold, uh, brash, uh, uh, a lot of words you could describe the younger son. He said, I want want my share, 
I want my share, a little bit of entitlement here, not a little, a lot. I want my share of your estate before you die. Now, to the original listener, this would have been ludicrous, right? This would have been radical. In those days when a father died, uh, if there were two sons, two-thirds of the inheritance would go to the older son and the remainder would go to the younger son. But the inheritance isn't supposed to actually be given out until right the father dies, you know? And so the younger son... To make this request while the father is still alive, it's, it's, you know, it's very reckless, right? Uh, it's basically saying he is wishing that his father was dead. He would rather that to happen now than to sit around and wait. This would have been absolutely disrespectful, reckless at best, but what is even more reckless is the father's response. Verse 17 says, the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And so uh, the, Jesus continues this story time and he says a few days later, the younger son, he packed up all his belongings and uh, he went off and moved to a distant land. What would be your distant land? Where would you go if you just got your inheritance? Bora Bora, Maui, Paris, Rome. You'd stay in Cleves. <laughs> Some of you probably would. It's like, I'm staying right here. I like it here. I don't know. Where would you go? New York City, California. You say, uh, you messed up. <laughs> he went off to a distant land. And there, the younger son, Jesus says, he wasted all of his money in wild living. And just so we're all on the same page here, wild living is not like staying up all night, um, playing Call of Duty or binge watching uh, Virgin River or Stranger Things and spending all your money on like uh, La Rosa's and UDF. That's not, woo, wild living, you know, like that's not the wild living we're talking about. This is, this is uh, more legit Las Vegas type of wild living, uh, doing some of the most unhealthy things you can think of with your body, and with others, and with your resources. And the younger son, this is where he's at. And he got what he asked for, right? He got his inheritance. He spent it all in wild living, and that only left him then broke and broken. We have to be really careful what we ask our father for. Like, are the things that we ask the father align for what his best is for us or what we think is best? Are we in alignment with him? Verse 14 says that about the time that his money ran out, and friends, the money always runs out, the party always ends. All right? <laughs> I promise you. About the time the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. A great famine, uh, think of it this way, a great pandemic swept across the land where people uh, started to die, and they couldn't have access to resources to live. That doesn't sound familiar at all, right? A great famine swept over the land, shutting things down, and verse 15 says he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and, and, and the man sent him out into the fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the food he, he was eating, the food that the, he was feeding the pigs was actually looking good for him. For him to step into the pig pen, Jesus is trying to tell the, the original hearers here how low this man had sunk, the younger son. 
pigs were, were unclean. Pigs were, were the most vile animal ever. Like it, it, you would be unclean, unfit to be, to be seen in the eyes of God if you had any dealings with pig. And Jesus is trying to say, this is how low this guy is. This is like worst of worst scenario right now. He says, even the food that the pigs are eating looks good to him. No one gave him anything. No one cared for him. Uh, when he finally came to his senses, here's a point for all of us when we come to our senses one way or another. He said to himself, uh, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I know I will go home to my father, right? And, and, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Just hire me on as one of your servants, so he comes up with this plan, right? And so he decides, he heads off. He re, Jesus says he returns home to his father. And Jesus says, while he was still a long way off. Friends, please don't miss that. Jesus says, while you were still a long way off. He saw you coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. And his father, he, he, he embraced him while he was still a long way off. When he didn't have it all together, while we were still yet sinners, he died for us. He saw us while we were still a long way off. But it's, the, the younger son doesn't know where to put this, and so he just goes into the plan mode, right? Execute the plan. Tell him how sorry I am. And so he says, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father wants nothing to do with that. He's not hearing that. The father yells to his servants and says, quick, bring the finest robe from the house and put it on him. Get a ring on for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the fattened calf that we've been preparing because this son of mine is home. Like he will restore you, right? He will take a ring, the family signet ring, and put it back on the finger and say, no, I'm going to remind you who and whose you are. I'm going to take the family robe of righteousness and wrap you in it, and you will be seen now as righteous because you are in this family. This is who the father is. This is his posture to the younger son. He said, we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life, he said. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Amen. The party began. We need to, we need to get better at throwing parties, okay? Like you have permission like to throw better parties, I know for some of you that are just coming out of like, you know, Catholic mass, that's like wild, right? Yeah, you're, yes, you're allowed to throw a party. Half, you know, church can be fun. The life of following Christ can be fun st still, right? You, I hope you, you get that. Some people do. Anybody get that? You can still have fun? A couple people, right, right. Yeah, thank you, Noah. Like, we need to celebrate better. Uh, those of you with, who are on your phones right now, it's cool. Uh, get on your calendar app and make a note in uh, the calendar app, September 25th. Make a note there. Save the date. We're going to have a party right here on campus. We're going to have one service at 10 a.m. We're going to shorten the service. Don't be so quick to say amen. And so we're going to have one service on the 25th, all right? And we're going to have food trucks, and we're going to have music. We're going to have dancing. We're going to have inflatables. We're going to have a 
party and we're going to celebrate all that God has been doing through his church. September 25th, we're going to celebrate all the people who have been baptized this year. We have a baptism service next Sunday, so if you've not done that and been thinking about being baptized, next Sunday's your day. We're going to celebrate also the people who have been following Jesus for a while, but they've been kind of veering and they've decided, hey, I'm rededicating. I'm, I'm back in the game. I've been straying. I'm coming back. I'm all in for him, right? So we're going to celebrate the 25th market down, get it on your calendar because we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to celebrate. We, we, like, I hope you know that, right? Like, like even, even when, because I got stuff going on. I know you have stuff going on, but even when we have stuff going on, we have a father in heaven who loves us, right? A father in heaven who provides for us, who protects us, who, who, who sees us at our worst and see, still says we're worth dying for, like, like, we're still a mess, right? And he sees the real us, not the overly filtered selfie self of us, but the real us. And he says, I choose you. I invite you to my table. That's the father that we get, right? A father that runs to the real us, the stinky us, the broken us. Back in our text, when, when we hear this, you know, this father that runs to the younger son and, the, and he throws a party, that's not where the story ends, Right? Maybe that's where we think it ends. If we've had a reference to this, we hear of a prodigal son story. But friends, there's, also, there's two prodigals in this story. There's two sons. There's two lost sons in this story. Verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. How dare there be dancing in the house of the Lord? I know I said it, right? I know some people have thought it, but I went ahead and said it. <laughs> Got real quiet. <laughs> it's weird when conviction happens like that. It's so weird. He said there is music and there is dancing going on in the father's house. And, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. And, and the servant said, your brother is back. <laughs> right? They thought he was dead. Your brother is back and your father, he killed the, the fattened calf and, and we're celebrating because of his safe return, right? He's so excited. He's thinking that the brother, his brother would be so excited. Your brother's alive. And the older brother, he was angry and he wouldn't go into the party. And because he wouldn't go to the father, the father came to him. Like, don't miss that. In, in both scenarios, notice, the father goes out to the son. The father will always go out to the son, always go out to the daughter. Whether you're an older son or you're an older daughter, older daughter, older son, younger son, the father will go to you. That's his posture. And so the father comes out and the father begs. Like that's the, yeah, I, man, I've heard this for 20 years now. Almost 20 years I heard this story. And this is the word that jumped off the page to me. He begged the older son. Friends, I wonder if the father is begging the older son right now 
Will you celebrate? Will you celebrate? Will you see the younger son? Will you see the lost son? Will you celebrate with me? It's a beautiful invitation from the heart of the father. He begged him. But the older son, indignant, he replied, all these years, right? He leads with all these years. I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours, he can't even say like my brother, this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. How dare you celebrate? Man, Jesus is, remember who his audience is, right? Go back to the top. He's trying to point out to the Pharisees and the leaders of religion. How can you miss this? Because he's saying, I'm begging you, if you could get this, you could help bring about a revival that would just change the world. And the father said to the older brother, my dear son, you've always stayed with me. Everything I have is yours. (laughs) But don't you get it? We had to celebrate. For your brother was dead. And now he came back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Will you celebrate? Like I want us to take a look at the posture. Like of all three of these individuals in the story, right? There's, there's two sons and a father, right? Right? Each one of the sons, like, did you notice, like, they, they want something from the father, right? One son, he, he wanted the father's stuff for self-indulgence and excess. And the other son, well, he wanted the father's stuff for, for status and recognition. And it's interesting to me that neither one of the sons wanted the father's heart more than the father's stuff. Jesus is showing us in this parable that, that, that there are two kinds of lostness. See, I think that you can be separated from God through immorality and irreligion, and you can be separated from God too through morality and religion. Both can be a barrier of actually getting to the heart of the Father. Both sons you know, like, notice the father's posture. Like, he, he just wants to be with them. He goes out to them to share all that he has with them, to be one with his sons. See, the path to oneness with the father will always be through relationship, not religion. Not doing what was right, and this is how you do it. It's like, will you be one with me? 
Will you just spend time with me? Will you do the things that I ask of you with me? See, Jesus is showing us that that all of us, every single one of us, we can want something from God more than we want to know God. And so we're just gonna we're just gonna sit in in this teaching of Luke 15, this story that Jesus tells us. And over the next you know three weeks, we're gonna look at each one of the characters. You know, we're gonna spend a week on the younger son, and spend a week on on the older son, and spend a week on the father, and just truly look at the heart of this story, this incredible story. And spoiler alert: like at the heart of this parable is an invitation into the gospel of grace. It's an invitation into a reckless love to love and be loved in a way that doesn't make any human sense. It's an invitation to not feel pity for the younger son or judge the younger son or or to shame the older son or agree with the older son. But it's an invitation to, to see that even though we all will, will, will resonate with one son or the other, like Jesus is inviting us to resonate with the posture of the father. And so over the next several weeks, you're going to hear stories and testimonies that that point to how God has changed someone's life. And and you're going to hear stories of of people's different coming home stories to the father. A father that is is willing to share all that he has with his kids, to to lavish them with abundance and grace and mercy and goodness, to, to pour out a never stopping, never giving up kind of love that is undeserved. Because he wants us to pour that type of love out to our neighbor, to our enemy, to all those around us. And I think for a lot of us, maybe there's a struggle or, or it's hard to comprehend this type of love and grace and acceptance or forgiveness. It's, it's something that is hard to maybe even share because it's never been actually shown. It wasn't shown to us. So it's hard to reflect that back. We experienced pain or hate or, or malice or just so much ugliness. It's hard for us to, to go there. Or, or for others of us, like it's hard to imagine this type of love and grace and forgiveness because we've done some things that, that we think are unforgivable. Or we've done some things that, that we think they can't be undone. And listen, his grace is greater than our disgrace. We've all got stuff, friends. Don't let your pride tell you otherwise. We've all got stuff that we feel like disqualifies us from, from being truly like, you know, embraced and accepted. Stuff that, that makes us feel unlovable or unworthy. Like, like whether it's things in our past or insecurities that we have or, or stuff that makes us think like there's no way that my family or my friends or my parents, like there's no way they could accept me if they really knew what I was struggling with, if they really knew what I was doing online, if they really knew what, what I was navigating like in these relationships, if they really knew the real me, the, the deep, dark side of me, they would never embrace me. Like I'm too messed up, I'm too broken. And if this is you, please hear me. There is nothing you can do to separate you from the love of God. Nothing, nothing. There is nothing, Paul says, that can separate you from God's love. Neither death, right? Nor life, nor angels or demons. 
Neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow, he says, not even hell itself can separate us from God's love. Hallelujah is right. Nothing. He's just saying, come home. Why are you trying to do that on your own? Just come home. Younger brothers, come home. Older brothers, come home. No no matter how far you've gone away, we all have a step that we need to take to get back to the Father. All of us. Like all of us have a step that we can take. And listen, God will run where we can barely limp. But if we are limping towards the Father, he will run towards us. I shared that uh, in this series, you're going to hear testimonies. And, and so when we were putting this together, uh, somebody asked, like, well, are you going to share your testimony? Because Luke 15 is kind of a big deal for you. And I was like, oh, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I want to. Uh, but then, like, uh, actually, James is here. Uh, so it's really funny that you're here, man. Uh, uh, James once told me um, we need to tell our stories and tell them more often because uh, we win in the end because of the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony. Um, he said it so, with such passion. and so, I mean, it was, it was like, man, it was such conviction. We don't tell our personal testimonies enough, and therefore God is not getting enough glory. And so... Um, so, yeah, throughout the series, you're going to hear testimonies. And so uh, even this week, Laura was like, now, are you going to share part of your story? And I was like, okay, I, w- I will, but uh, it will be like the abridged version, the Cliff Notes version, because we want to get to lunch. Um, and all God's people said amen. Uh, and so uh, uh, I'll try to do this quick. Uh, so um, in the, uh, the reality, what you need to know is... Um, there's really no lengths you can go where God won't show you a reckless love that will pursue you and tackle you to the ground and say, welcome home. Um, I'm a prodigal. I'm a younger son. Uh, shocking, I know, for some of you. Um, I, uh, I didn't grow up with a relationship with Jesus. Uh, so I didn't have a spiritual foundation in my life. So when the storms of life came, you know, there wasn't a firm foundation. <laughs> so it was, uh, I, my whole house was on a house of sand. And so uh, when I was 18, I, I found my best friend when he committed suicide and my life uh, unraveled. Um, in the next uh, few months, uh, uh, my dad's dad fell, hit his head, uh, stroked, died, and then his brother died. And so like boom, 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 all these deaths and, and with an... Uh, not a a healthy way to process grief and no spiritual foundation, I fell into this spiral of lostness. Um, Around this time, uh, I had an opportunity to escape to a distant land called New York City. Uh, My friend out here uh, booed uh, for New York City. So I, uh, yes, I I escaped to New York City. Um, I... uh, didn't know why I was there, uh, but this young lady, uh, sorry, Kelly, uh, was like, she was like, you should get into theater and acting. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> Listen, we're so dumb, guys. <laughs> 
Like, girls can just tell us to do anything. We're like, okay. <sighs> Find a good woman. Let's be clear, okay? Find a good woman. Because uh, if not, they'll lead you. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, this lady says, she like, you should get into theater and you should audition for stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. So I started auditioning for different jobs. And after a while of auditioning, I ended up uh, landing a, a really great role in a Broadway national tour of a show called Titanic. And uh, it was crazy. Um, my career just took off. And I spent the next five years uh, just traveling all over North America, uh, performing and, and doing theater, uh, doing different shows like uh, Miss Saigon and uh, The Full Monty uh, and uh, Rent. Uh, any, if there's any boomers in the house, I know we have uh, some folks in the boomer generation. Um, if you went to the Aronoff um, 20 years ago, uh, you may have seen your pastor uh, before I was your pastor. Um, and uh, you may have seen more than your pastor than you should have. Um, then you, yeah, okay, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. Uh, it was pre-Jesus. Uh, so I had this guy come up to me in the first year uh, I was here, and he was like, so you did theater at the Aronoff? And you did, he's, he's like thinking of the shows, and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, I think I saw you like performing there. And I was like... Uh, like cold sweat all through my body, just like running down my back. I was like, this is awkward. <laughs> it was an awkward conversation, kind of like this right here. Yeah. So it, it was a really surreal experience, uh, the, those years, uh, being able to, uh, to perform and all that stuff. It, it, it was radical. I, I, like, I got to rub shoulders with like celebrities on a regular basis. It was really weird. Like what, what was probably the weirdest moment was I got to like meet one of my like uh, 80s heroes, right? Um, like Bon Jovi, it was like this crazy thing. Like he still has great hair. It's all feathered and coiffed to the side. I, I, I do not have that. So I, uh, it was weird to have like your 80s hero come to see a show that you were in. Like I didn't know where to put that. See, but with every rung of the ladder of success that I achieved, I continued to slip further and further into despair. See, I had a God-sized hole in my heart that could only be filled by, right, well, I didn't get that, right? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't quite get that. So I tried to fill that void with anything and everything the world had to offer. And so like, you know, more success, more money, more drugs, more cars, more sex, more stuff. Like it was five years of a nonstop party until the party was over. <laughs> it always ends at some point. And so the Cliff Notes version, I'll jump ahead, which Kelly's in the room and she's like, there's an, yeah, <laughs> it's always a Cliff Notes version. So uh, in a period of six months that included anything and everything you could think of until finally a crash and burn of trying to take my own life, I, uh, I ended up in six months at one end performing in the Nederlander Theater in New York City, one of America's greatest stages, to being a guest of the state in one of Ohio's greatest correctional facilities. And I traded eating room service in a hotel to living in an eight-by-eight room where someone told me when I could eat. And because of my good behavior... I was allowed to do my community service uh, while I was uh, still locked up. And so once a week, I would uh, get into a transport van, which is 
so awesome, by the way. Um, you know, like, if you've ever seen them on the highway, you're like, oh, look, there's a, one of those, look at all those people in there. Like, I was one of those people, right? Um, in the transport van wearing the jumpsuits. And, and like, uh, the worst part was, like, you know, I told, I told the staff, I was like, look, at the time, not now, at the time, like, I was too pretty and, and, and too small to be in prison. <laughs> Like, there's some reasons for that. You know, like, there's just like, I, I <laughs> it's like I needed to get out real fast. They looked at me like I was a steak. And so, like, I, uh, it is what it is, right? That's, that's reality, real talk. So I, uh, I'm in this van, this transport van, and they, uh, they would take us to the dog pound, all right? And that's where we would do our uh, community service. And so I had the privilege, my job, the, the, the elite for the, you know, the good behavioral guys, like, I got to crawl into the, the dog cage and scrape the dog, uh, what's the word, I'll say poop, uh, with a putty knife and scrape that off the dog floor, the floor of the cage, and put that. And I had this moment of like, how, how, how did I get here? Like in the pen. Right? Scraping poop off the floor with a putty knife. How, how did I get here? Looking for answers. Uh, shortly thereafter, uh, Kelly, who then was my girlfriend, I don't know why. I didn't even say girlfriend. We were dating. She was putting up with me. Um, she came in and visited me at a Thursday visitation. And she had finally had enough of my antics. And so she, uh, she said, hey, you need to get your crap together. She didn't say crap. And, she, and I was like, yeah, of course I will. Yeah, I'll totally get my life together. She was like, no, seriously, get your crap together or I'm done. And, you know, my mom didn't raise a fool. Well, you know, she didn't, but I was foolish. So uh, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever Kelly tells me to do, I was going to do it, right? And so I was like, yeah, baby, whatever you need me to do, baby, like, I'm going to do it, right? That'll never happen again. Any wives hear this before, right? I promise this will be the last time, right? Just nod your head slowly. It's okay. Um, just point to him. It's like, that's the one who does it. Yeah. And so Kelly was like, yeah, I know, I'm serious. Like, I, I'm done. And I was like, yes, whatever you want me to do. And she says, okay, I want you to go to church with me. And I said, nope. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. That, I'll ask me anything else. I'm not going to do that because that's just that place for self-righteous hypocrites and all that stuff. Like, I'm not going to do that. She was like, no, I'm serious. Either you go to church with me or I'm done. So I decided I'd go to church. Um, and so uh, the first Sunday uh, after I was released, I went to uh, a church, River Tree Christian Church, and uh, the pastor, he got up and uh, he said, today I, I want to share a story from Luke 15 about a, a lost son coming home. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can't make this stuff up, right? <laughs> and so for the first time in my life, I heard a story about a God who uh, would welcome home a son no matter what. Even, even after they had blown everything, even, even after they had lost everything, even after they were at their worst, he would give us his best. 
And it was one of those moments, like in a room like this, very similar, you know, filled with people, but I felt like I was the only one in the room and, 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 and God was just speaking to me. And I just put my, my, my head in my hands and I just sobbed and sobbed and I couldn't stop. And something inside me broke. All that stuff that I've been filling that void with, it just started pouring out, making room for him. And so I remember saying to God, like, I have nothing to offer you, like, except me. <laughs> but, but if you'll take me, like, I'm yours. I'll do whatever you want. And so in the days and the months to follow, like I was introduced into a community and invited into community uh, with these women and men and, and they would show me how to like pick myself back up and how to restore me and God used them to, to pick up all the broken pieces of me and, and masterfully put me back together and to make me into something new because that's what Christ does. He says that if anyone is in Christ, the, that, the, that person is a new creation. The old life is gone. The new is now here. That's who he is and that's what he does. Friends, God will use this community of faith, these brothers and sisters, women and men and students to in, in the context of community through relationship to restore us and he will do that with a ring and a robe. He will remind us who and whose we are, and he will cloak us with his righteousness. A ring and a robe. There's times I'll be sitting there, like, just cutting into a steak, right? And I'll be, rem I'll be reminded of the times where I couldn't, like, barely afford, like, ramen noodles. And I'll just think to myself, like, a ring and a robe. Like, it, it, I get invited to like meetings with, you know, like superintendents and community leaders and CEOs and presidents of organizations, like me. And, and all I can think to myself is a ring and a robe. pull up to work each day and I think about the great entrustment of leadership that he has put on my shoulders, me, a guy who, who couldn't get a job at Starbucks because of my past and all I can think is a ring and a robe. I look at you and I look at our kids and the life that we get to share together and all I can say is thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this ring and a robe. Friends, this was almost 20 years ago. <laughs> and every day since, I have been trying to live up to that promise that I made to him, that I will use everything I have with all that I have to tear down the barriers that religion places to get in the way of God from someone having their coming home story. Because somebody, every time we gather, every time we go out into the community, every time we're meeting someone, someone is far from the Father and they just need someone to say, welcome home. You're not alone. Welcome home. I will take, give everything I have to tear down those barriers. 
Like, how can we not do that when we have been forgiven of so much? How can we not try to love with that same type of reckless love that the Father shows us? How can we not chase after the one who thinks that they are unlovable and unreachable? How can we not invest everything we have into training up the next generation of disciple makers and the next generation of world changers to chase after all of the ones that say, I'm not worthy? How can we not do that? Because if he could welcome me home, (laughs) he can welcome all of us home, okay? I don't want to hear like, oh, I'm too far gone. I'm too messed up. I've got too much stuff. Like there's no way. There is nothing that can separate you. Nothing that can separate you from the Father. He will restore you. He will redeem you. He will make you new. Deuteronomy 3.3 says, your God, our God will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you were scattered. He's a good, good father waiting for you to come home. And so, uh, friends, uh, I'm just inviting you to come home. Simple as that. For all those that are able, I invite you to stand to your feet. And during this next song, I'm just putting out an invitation to come home. For some people that may be just like you're a younger brother or sister and you've been traveling down a path and, and it's time to just come home to the Father and say, I'm sorry. And I, I just want you to know like, like no judgment here. Like, whew, not from me. There's nothing you can tell me is gonna shock me. Like, like, like there's no, welcome home. Welcome home. During this next song, there's going to be people singing. Uh, prayer team, come forward. Uh, we'll pray. We'll have a team that will pray with you. And if you just need to share with somebody, like, I need to come home. That's all you really have to say, really. You don't need to get into your stuff. Like, just say, I need to come home. Then we're going to wrap you in an embrace. Prayer team, I hope you're ready to pray. And hug. <laughs> there's nothing like a great hug with someone saying, welcome home. Uh, For others of you, maybe you're an older brother, older sister, and you need to lay down some of the righteous religion that you've been holding on to. And maybe you need to come home to the Father as well. And so maybe that's your thing. Just come up and say, I just need to come home. And would you pray with me? Others of you, you may like be like, I need to come home and I need to take that step of baptism. Well, let's talk about that. You can do that today or we can do that next week. Doesn't matter, but let's get, get that thing done. <laughs> the water's warm. It's right there. What's stopping you? So uh, I invite you to turn. I invite you to repent. It's a really fancy word. Don't freak out. It just means to turn, to turn around, to turn from unhealthy people, places, and things that are sending you down a path that is unhealthy and turn back to the Father. This is your invitation. This is your time to come home. Father, use this time. It's, uh, it's yours. Uh, I thank you that you are a father who shows a reckless love, a never stopping, never giving up type of love. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for not giving up on me. I thank you for not giving up on every single person under the sound of my voice. Father, I ask that you do and continue to do a mighty work through every single heart and mind that is present. Renew us, restore us, our mind, body, and soul so that we may reflect you in all that we do. Holy Spirit, have your way. 
It's in your name that we pray. Amen.